Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and each week I speak to someone who has walked the Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrim paths across Europe, culminating at the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela. I've just returned from 12 days driving along the Camino, what we call the Moto Pilgrimage. We were shooting a video for a song I wrote about the Camino somewhere along the way, the Camino song, and I hope to launch the song and video in early June. And the Camino was just as beautiful as I remembered, just as serene, just as calm, just as energetic and just as enticing. We went from Burgos to Finisterre last week and it was magical. Well, I have a special quote this week. Whenever you find yourself doubting how far you can go, just remember how far you have come. Remember everything you have faced, all the battles you have won and all the fears you have overcome. My guest this week knows all about overcoming fears and winning battles. Kurt Kuntz walked the Camino in September 2012 and wrote a book about it the following year. Kurt's on the line from Boys, Idaho in the United States. Welcome, Pilgrim. Dan, thank you so much for having me on your program. Uh, you're a great man and a great addition to the Camino community, and I'm, I'm just thrilled to be, uh, to be on your program. I've seen you quoted as saying, Kurt, this journey didn't end. I'm still on the Camino. So the pilgrimage is a metaphor for life, isn't it? Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, there's a... If you just take the Camino itself, it's very much an, an entire life cycle. I mean, on the first day when you arrive, you, you're like an infant. You don't know anything, and you have to rely on other people to take care of you. And uh, you don't know where the food is, how the money works. It's just all kind of odd, and, and you kind of bumble around like a, like a young child. Um, then after about a week of walking, you've pretty much mastered everything. You know how to say hola, um, <laughs> you know where the albergue is, you know where the coffee con leche is, and, and you kind of strut around like a teenager, and you, you've pretty much mastered life and know everything in the world. And then as you get closer to the end, and for me it really happened, I would say, about two-thirds of the way through, and I would say on the very first day of the Camino, it is a million steps, which is the title of my book, and that's the number of steps that it takes to walk 500 miles. On the first of a million steps, there's no possibility of an end. I mean, how can you how can you get there? It, it just can't happen. What infant ever thinks of death? And the answer is none. It would be ridiculous to think that. Well, all of a sudden, you're two-thirds way through the Camino, and as you talked about earlier in the broadcast here, you know, look how far you've come. Well, all of a sudden, you only have a third left. And everything that happened to me on the last third of the trip was just much richer um, with realizing there was an end. And I think in, in older age, that same thing happens where where the preciousness of life really expands and you you get a richness. So the Camino is completely a metaphor for life. The good news is when you get to Santiago, it doesn't end. I would say it's just another new beginning and another really nice transition into a, a next phase. I, told, I mentioned earlier that you know all about overcoming fears and winning battles. Tell us about your life. 
Well, Dan, I took a, a very different path. Um, right out of uh, right out of college, I went to work for a large uh, U.S. semiconductor company called Micron Technology, and I worked there for approximately nine years. And I was very much uh, I was a corporate guy. I was in sales, and I kind of climbed the ladder pretty rapidly, and and things were going pretty well. Um, and I also, I drank a lot. I, uh, uh, as, a, as a young man, um, and I would say maybe 13, 14 years old, I, I like to drink some beer at the high school parties and this and that. And uh, there's a lot of history of, of alcohol in my family. And so I was a corporate guy, a hard-charging guy, and a partying guy. And as life continued to go on, I, I finally decided the work part I was going to try to leave it behind, and I was going to leave it behind at a very young age. So in the year 2000, at 36 years old, I just quit. I stopped working. And my idea was that the worst thing that could possibly happen is I would have to go back to work. And what would be so bad about that? I mean, I had a skill set, and I had the energy, and, and this and The best thing that could happen is I could develop an entirely new lifestyle that would be a life of living for purpose and a life of, of, of adventure and doing things like the Camino and other things like that. So I, I chose that path at a very young age. And the next year, in 2001, my father actually died from alcoholism. And it was very disturbing to watch him die. Um, when your liver shuts down, you you literally turn yellow, and it was quite disgusting, and it was very sad. And on his last days, I was looking at him in the hospital bed, and I just made a snap decision. I go, I will never drink again, never, ever, ever. And I, on that day, uh, quit drinking 100%, and I also used to smoke cigarettes. So I quit drinking, and I quit smoking two days before my dad died in June of, 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 of 2001. And uh, I've never looked back at anything like that. Um, so, so that's kind of a start. So do you have some questions? Of course. Of course. I've got a million questions. And I read some... <laughs> well, there's a million steps. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Look, I, I read somewhere that you said that all your pre-Camino preparation did not begin to encompass the grandeur of your external or internal adventure. Why? Oh, you know, the, the Camino is just a magic place to be. I, You know, when I went there, I had no intention of writing a book. I've never written a book before. And all of a sudden, I was walking along, and I remember sitting on top of this mountain peak about halfway through the, the walk, and I was with a young man from Alaska, and his mother was from Pennsylvania. And we looked at each other, and we started talking about how we've all changed, how we've all grown, how we've we've shed skin, we've shed problems, we've we've lightened our load, if you will. And I kind of made the comment, I go, how do you go home and explain that to somebody? Yeah. How do you how do you run into someone at the gym and say, hey, Dan, how was your trip? It was really nice. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Yeah. <laughs> did you get a blister? Yeah, I did. Okay, well, what are you doing this afternoon? Yeah. And there's, there, there's no chance to really explain the depth of what happens. So at that point, halfway through the trail, I decided I'm going to go home and write a book and see what happens. Well, writing the book allowed me to to discover a lot about my life. Um, it allowed me to share. And then as I began to sell books and began to go out and speak, 
a million new doors opened up for me. And that opened up uh, a number of new friendships and took me on some travel that I never in my wildest dreams anticipated. And that would include trips to Bhutan, to India, to Central America. And uh, none of it would have happened had I not taken that first step uh, in St. John on the Camino in 2012. So did you, can you cast your mind back to 2012? Did you have a sense that you were searching for something? That your soul was perhaps looking for something more? You know, um, no, I, 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 I did not. Um, I just know that I started to take big trips when I quit work. And for me, every trip needed to involve a long, long amount of time. I, these, to go somewhere for a week doesn't work. I need to go somewhere for a long time. And it has to be physical. So either a long walking trip, a long biking trip, a long, uh, um, you know, th that's, that's what I need. Maybe a place where I can go and do a lot of yoga or something like that. Yeah. So I had taken a number of different trips that were like that. I did a long bicycle trip through Europe and one down the west coast of the United States. And, and I really found these journeys to be quite incredible. So it was almost, uh, almost a fluke, but I ended up, I saw the movie The Way, and I, when I saw the movie, I said, I'm going to go do that sometime. And about a year later, I was at a little rocky spot with my current girlfriend, and we needed some space, and I just thought, well, I'll go walk the Camino and see what happens. And uh, it was the perfect time in my life. Um, it just, it, it really, everything unfolded exactly as it was supposed to. And I think, unbeknownst to me, the romantic situation I was in, it became clear on the trail I was in the wrong situation. And so I came home and, and that ended. Um, so I guess there was something kind of natural about it, but I didn't like go. I, I've never taken a trip and said, okay, I'm going to go on this trip and accomplish this. It never works. Yeah. I, I think that the best way, if you're going to take a journey like that, you're not ready for a journey. The best way to, to go to India, the best way to walk the Camino get on the airplane and accept everything that happens and every person that crosses your path realize there's no coincidence in life and let them into your heart, learn about them and just experience everything. And when you let go of the control of, well, I'm going to walk 13 miles a day and I'm going to stay at this place and I have reservations everywhere. You might as well hang yourself because um, you're going to have a bad time. But if you let it flow and you just let it go, look out, baby. It's a big one. <laughs> you, you know, you're a proud Idahoan. And people from Idaho are known as fortune seekers. So in a sense, you sought your fortune on the Camino as a middle-aged man. Did you know you'd found it before you came home? That's a really good question, and, and I would say no. I had, um, I had no idea how monumental the Camino was. It, it, looking in the rearview mirror, if I look at every big trip I've taken in my life, the Camino is Mount Everest. All the other ones are cool, and they're nice little peaks. The Camino was a cathartic, a capitulation, a... Uh, I call it a life-bending experience. Mm. So it's not that it really changes you, but, man, it can sure just bend you and curve you along to a really different path. 
And that's exactly what it did for me. And I think that, Dan, probably one of the simplest things, when you walk on that trail over there, every day is unscripted. You don't know what the terrain is going to be. You don't know what the weather is going to be. You really don't know where you're going to sleep the, you know, each night. You just kind of get up and walk. And you realize that it all works out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I really found that, that letting go was a really big deal. And I used to hold on to a lot more. And that whole concept of, uh, again, let it go and it will all fall into place. I mean, I've never... I've never had so many uh, good experiences, and the, the synchronicity of the Camino is, is contagious for everyone that walks on it. No question about it. So how does that daily pilgrimage manifest itself in your life today? Well, I would say number one is when I first came home, when I first came home, I thought, okay, I just did this long walk, and it was a beautiful experience, and I was able to... Uh, I was able to let go of things that I was maybe afraid of. Yeah, and now yeah. I have a normal life. And how am I going to do that here? How is, how is this going to work? So I literally got a piece of paper and I set it on my desk. And for about a week, I wrote down every major thing that really scares me. And, you know, top of the list would be, you know, small things like dying, um, running out of money, uh, not having enough love. I mean, these are some, you know, very significant things that I yeah. think we all mutually share. So I made this list of eight things. And that was really, I thought, the source of most of my fear. Then I began to look at them and I said, if I dedicate 100% of my time and energy to this particular item, can I really move the needle? Can, can I change any of it? And the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you, you know, how do you stop the Grim Reaper? How do you, how do you know what the stock market's going to do? How do you know if your house value is going to go up or down? I mean, how do you, there's just so much you can't control. And so like the Camino, I said, I'm going to stop wasting time and energy on those things I can't control, which I believe are, are anchors in your life that are associated with fear. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start looking at everything that's going right in my life. And so on the other side of this ledger here, I made a gratitude list. And if you start really focusing on the things that you should be grateful for, like there's air in your lungs right now, and you have food in your stomach, and you have family, and you have friends, and you have whatever you have, Focus on what you do have. The stuff you don't have just evaporates. So take your fear, transfer it into gratitude, and your life will sail like a ship you've never dreamed of. Uh, but if you want to stay focused on the crap, then, well, it's going to stink. Yeah. And so, so let me just kind of, if I can, sum up what I just heard you say, that you found on the Camino a sense of being able to enjoy the now. Is that fair enough to say? Oh, completely. Um, yeah, the, the present moment is all you have. Um, getting stuck in, in yesterday is a waste of time. I mean, getting when people look in their past, there's a valuable lesson to have there. And it is only to have a lesson and to learn and not repeat the mistake. But if you go into your past to watch the same movie over and over and over, I mean, it's 
you know, it's a broken record. Yeah, yeah. It's scratched. It's done. It's fixed. Yeah. The, the movie, it doesn't end a different way. So you might as well just flog yourself with, with your, with your past transgressions, if you will. The same for the future. When you when you look at the future, it typically is there is fear based again. It's well, what's going to happen? What's not going to happen? And and all of those things exist in one place, your mind. And if you take an inventory of how great of a predictor you are of the future, most of us are horrible. Yeah. And just try it. You know, what did you think a year ago? And how many of those things happened? So if you can divorce yourself from the past, unless it's to learn something, and, you know, you have to have practical planning for the future. You have to have the ranch. You have to have, you know, some, you know, food in the cupboards and, and this and that. I'm not telling you to go to Vegas and put it all in red 21. But... <laughs> But if you if you're worried about, you know, is your newborn grandson going to make it to Harvard or if, you know, we're on the eclipse of World War seven um, or those kind of things, you're you're spinning your wheels and all you're doing is robbing time from the current moment. And that's all you have. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's a very important lesson. And I suppose you answered it by. Because my next question was, if somebody's listening, perhaps they've walked the Camino, perhaps not. Perhaps they're planning or thinking of walking. I was going to ask you, what's the one thing they can do now to enjoy the now? What can you do now? I'm telling you, just, that's a good question. I would say right now, this very second, stop whatever thoughts you have in your mind and see if you can do nothing more than focus on your breath for two minutes, 120 seconds. Just breathe in and breathe out. And when a thought comes into your head, treat it like a cloud. Let it, let it float in, look at it, and just don't attach yourself to it. Let it float right on by. And that is what the present moment is. When, you, when you're in between thoughts, think about this. Okay, you have a thought in your head right here, and then you whitewash it, and you're waiting for the next thought to come in, and you kind of have that blank page in your head. That is what the present moment is. And the more time you can spend with a calm mind in stillness, in, uh, in a, a point of gratitude, appreciation, uh, things along those nature, your life will, uh, it will glisten. Um, the more you want to attach yourself to your problems and yesterday and worry and tomorrow and fear about stuff you don't control, yeah. um, you know, you might as well just, uh, you might as well just check out because you're, you're headed for some misery. Yeah. Just breathe, just breathe. So can I ask you a couple of wider questions? Kurt, is everyone a potential pilgrim? Oh, I think so. And the other, the other thing that is important, you and I are very fortunate. We both had, you know, several trips to Spain and spent a lot of time on that Camino. To me, what a Camino really is, it is just shattering your routines. When I went over there, I didn't, I had never walked. Walking is not a sport I do. I've never stayed in a group situation where you sleep in these albergues. I mean, I've never been in bunk bed kind of guy. And, um, and that was a little bit odd. Um, I'm in a country, I don't speak the language. And that was very odd. And I think when you put yourself in situations that are outside of your, your normal routines, 
and you realize that you can not only survive, but you can thrive, well, that's how you expand your comfort zone and you suppress fear. So with that said, you don't have to go to Spain to do a Camino. Just start shattering the daily routines of your life. And you can start very simply. You can drive to work in a different route. You can, next time you go to your favorite restaurant, don't order what you had the previous 500 times you went there. Get something different. Take a vacation somewhere that you've never gone to. Um, you know, change your movies up. Change your, just change your lifestyle up. Take a yoga class. Take a language class. Just stop doing the same stuff you did yesterday. Because when you do something over and over and over, you become a sleepwalker. And when you sleepwalk through life and you realize that it goes by pretty quickly, you wake up one day and you're, you're 80 years old and you're bumping into walls. There's, there's nothing to it. So uh, shake it up, man. Shake it up. You know, someone who had read your book wrote on your website, the challenge is always to sort out who we are from what life's frenzy contorts us into believing about ourselves and others. Now, that's very true, isn't it? Oh, very much so. I think that I think most people, when you're born, you try to make other people happy. You try to make your family happy, yeah. and, and you try, want to be a good kid or whatever. In my case, I, I was pretty good at being a bad kid, but um, you, you you try to kind of fit in, and then you hit uh, uh, you know a, a little bit further down the road. You kind of want to please society. You want to be a good person. You want to have a good job. You want to pay your tax. You want to, you want to kind of do all these things. And then you realize maybe around our age, because we're, we're both pretty close here, you kind of realize, what am I doing all this stuff for other people? Yeah. How about if I, how about if I really find out who I am? And it's not a, it's not like, well, I'm going to now please myself because I'm deserving of all these great things and I need cars. and No, it's not that kind of, of gratification. But it's just find out what you really are inside and what your purpose is. And you start focusing on your purpose and sharing that. And, man, the, the beautiful things happen. And, you know, I know you have a passion for music. And... When you told me about this amazing Camino trip you just took with, with our mutual friend Bill and the video you're about to release and this song that I hope becomes a Camino anthem, I mean, isn't that better than a, 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 a nine-to-five job? And isn't that more fulfilling than perhaps a paycheck? And uh, that's that's the good stuff. Yeah, it is the good stuff. You know, my, my next my next question is, do you believe in the concept of finding yourself? But you've already answered that. You've already answered that. So I'm going to I'm going to ask a supplementary question. What about if in finding myself I don't like what I find? I think you should go back and walk again and find a better version. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. So, so 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 here's my next question. How do you that is Kurt Kuntz. How do you keep learning? Well, I, I mean, this is, I think, an amazing story. Okay, I write the book. I walk the Camino, and I, I write the book. The next thing I know, I'm doing these speeches. 
And I'm at this woman's house, and she tells me that there's a walk in the country of Bhutan, and I should come with her and do this walk. I never heard of Bhutan. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it was. And I find this incredible country uh, next to Nepal and, and China and India, and it has 750,000 people, and they're all Buddhists. Well, how do you pass up that trip? Yeah. <laughs> so I end up in Bhutan with, you know, never would have happened had I not walked the Camino. Then about a year later, I'm doing a speech somewhere, and I meet somebody who puts me in touch with someone in India that had read my book. So I have a little bit of Facebook banter back and forth with this woman, and she had worked in Washington, D.C. She's now in India at this ashram. And she sends me a note one day and says, Kurt, I know you travel a lot. You really need to come to Rishikesh, India. Well, I'd never heard of Rishikesh. Yeah. didn't know anything about it. I pulled it up on the Internet, and it said it was the yoga capital of the world. I had just started to do some yoga. And it said that when the Beatles went to India for their iconic trip, this is the city they went to. So good enough for the four of them, good enough for me. I said, what the heck? And I booked a trip, and I went there. And my first trip was for five weeks. And again, in shattering the routines, I lived in an ashram. Um, and India is pretty strange, uh, especially your first time there. Um, it's it's, uh, it's an organized chaos that can be a little overwhelming. And I just learned, and I fell in love with it. And then I went back the next year, did the same thing. And then I went back last year, and I did a 200-hour yoga meditation teacher training with a local yogi that I really become fond of. Uh, so that's kind of how that, I don't know, how the growth continues. You just, when a door opens up, fly through it. And uh, uh, one of those doors actually put me back on the Camino, and I, like you, I walked it again in 2015. Um, so I have uh, two, two of those trips. So uh, I remember arriving home from my second Camino, and people told me that I was glowing. And I've tried to maintain the shine, but to be honest, it's a very difficult journey. But could I put a suggestion to you, Kurt? To me, maintaining the glow or maintaining the momentum of a Camino in, in our daily life is about awareness. It's 100% about awareness. And... and Every time something ends, it's just a transition to something new. So, you know, a lot of people think that your, you know, Camino ends when you get to Santiago. It's just the opposite. Getting, bringing that knowledge and that life experience forward into your life takes you where, where you need to go. And as you said, being aware of what's happening, being aware of the opportunities and when the window opens, fly through it and and see what happens. Um, you know, our mutual friend Bill, um, he and I have a, a pretty strong background of of kind of going to some similar places throughout the world. And you know, he's made this movie on intuition, and I I was able to meet him in Los Angeles. And I said, Bill, why don't you come to uh, come to Boise, and we'll screen your movie. And he did, and him and his wife, Jennifer, stayed with me for a couple days. And uh, next thing I knew, I, about a week later, he's tromping around the Camino with you. Yeah. And now you've come into my life. Yeah. And I, I just think it's beautiful the way that this unfolds so naturally. 
if you try to make it unfold on your timeline or you try to force it, it never happens. But if you just let things flow and let them be, it's, it's just a, a beautiful life in front of you. Um, but uh, if you if you don't want the beauty, just keep doing what you did yesterday because that's guaranteed to to solidify um, dullness. And uh, I know that's what we all strive for. Yeah, you talked earlier at the beginning of the interview about the Camino being a life cycle. And you also say that the first third of the trip is for the body, the second for the mind, and the third for the soul. Just elaborate on that for me, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, I think, I mean, that is the, I think that's a literal concept. When, when you go over there and you start walking, I don't care I don't care if you're a triathlete or whatever you are, your body is not used to walking, you know, six, seven hours a day. And especially doing that day after day after day. And so I think that the first third of the trip, you walk over that big mountain and the Pyrenees on the first day and your body changes. You, you become fit and you kind of, you kind of work through your pain and, and, and after I think a third of the trip, your body is kind of on that autopilot mode where it's it's strong and it says, "Okay, Dan's asked me to do this, and I'm I'm going to pull through for him," and and your body starts to glide along the trail. That middle part in that meseta, I think, with a strong body, you then get a chance to kind of go into your mind and to go into your heart and to ask those questions: Who am I? What am I? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? Uh, what is happening. And that's where I really had the mind connection uh, in that middle flat ground. When I got towards the end and I realized there was an ending, again, everything just took on so much more richness. Um, you know, I would have a cup of coffee with someone and it was like, wow, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be home in two weeks. I'm not going to be meeting people every day from throughout the world. I'm not going to see this beautiful lush countryside that's in front of me and i just it, it just seemed to all pour directly into my soul and uh it, it really ignited a, a flame that i've been fortunate to to keep alive and um i'm very lucky for that we we've been talking about your addictions uh your demons if you like what would you say to yourself if you could whisper in your ear 20 years ago 20 years ago, well, it's going to sound a little bit cliche, but I think that everything happens for a reason. I, I, I really, really do. And when anything happens, whether it's good or whether it's bad, I really try to use it as a learning experience. And so, you know, would I change things if I could really go back and script things out? You know, of course I would. But... I would say I'm most proud of learning from all of my mistakes and not repeating them as I march forward. And the marching forward is so important. I mean, when I was doing this yoga meditation teacher training in, in India, the my guru came up with this one story I just love. He says, two eyes on the front of your head are for a reason. <laughs> it's to look forward. Your leg joints move forward for a reason, to carry your body forward. Stop looking back. <laughs> you've, you've done that. Forward. Move forward.
Yeah, I, I really like that. Move forward. I'm going to steal that, Kurt. Now, let's, let's go back to the Camino. Some nuts and bolts, if I can. Tell us about the physical journey. You're a bit of a fitness fanatic. Do I need to be super fit to walk the Camino? Not at all. Um, I, I think you have to have a basic level of fitness. You have to be able to, you know, you don't want to go there and, and not, you know, never have walked. And I think most importantly, uh, mechanically, you need to be in love with your shoes. You need to. <laughs> That's funny. You do have to be in they... love with your shoes. You do. You need to, before you go, you need to wear your shoes yeah. to the grocery store, to the gym, to, you just need to wear them all day long for eight hours a day and never take them off for, you know, a week or two before your trip and make sure that, that there's a, a legitimate love affair going on. Um, and then again, you need to have some fitness. You, you don't need to be a, a superstar weightlifter or something, but you have to be able to walk. So, I would encourage people to go out and you know do some five mile walks and uh, and and learn about elevation. You know, going up is different yeah. than going down, and and you have to have some basic fitness. But as I said, the first third of the trip will kind of whip your fanny into shape. Yeah. So um, it, by default, you're you're going to get there. What are some of the unexpected hurdles that pilgrims face? Oh, there's a million of them, and and. Just take that a step further. What are the unexpected things that happen in your life? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> how about how about illness, death, and car crashes, and unexpected, you know, winning a jackpot or something like that? I mean, life is nothing but unexpected events, and it's easy to ride the escalator up. I mean, how much effort does that take? So I think that that where you gain in character is how you react when things aren't so rosy. What happened when you got to the village and there's no beds? Did you throw a tantrum and cry and play poor me and oh I'm a victim, or or did you did you find the positive side of it and and in doing so, did a stranger open up their door and of course the perfect bed showed up at the perfect time? Um, so if you think you're going to go on the Camino and not have adversity, um, that's just ridiculous. Um, you're going to get a blister and it's not going to feel good. You're going to get aced out of a bed and you're going to be pissed. Um, you're, you're, it's going to rain someday and you wanted sunshine. Well, <laughs> that's what, uh, that's what life is. And so it's an opportunity to learn to deal with these things in a adult, um, manner with a positive outlook. Yeah. And some of those unexpected hurdles can provide unexpected benefits, can't they? Hundred percent of them. Yeah. Look, look back in your life and try to figure out if the, when something bad happens, and I think bad is even a relative question because years down the road, the worst thing that happened to you often turns out to be the best thing. Just in the moment that it's happening, it's not so good. I look back on my Camino trip, and the times when I was most frustrated, there was always some type of. And an angel showed up or an angelic experience occurred. And uh, unfortunately, you can only see them in the rear view. So what I find now is when I have a problem, I immediately say there's something more to this. And I look right around the corner for the, the glimmering, shining uh, reward for this uh, current pain. Just, just elaborate on that. Well, that's quite an interesting, that very last sentence. You look around the corner, 
you see the light and you think that there's something good is going to come from this. Absolutely. Um, last year I was in Costa Rica and I was surfing. And I'm not a very good surfer at all. In fact, I'm terrible. I can pretty much ride the white water straight in. I can't turn, and, and I have a board that's about 200 feet long, and it's very stable, and it weighs a million pounds. But I can stand up on a surfboard and ride a wave in. So I ended up, I had an accident, and my accident was not good. And uh, I, I really did some damage to my shoulder. And I'm in the water, and I'm, you know, I have a very big problem with my body, and I just asked myself, I wonder how this is going to change my trip. And I told myself, I have to leave this in the water. I'm not going to walk out of this water and say, oh, how come I'm here today? You know, why, you know, why did this happen? I shouldn't have been on that wave. It happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's time to deal with it. And what did happen, I was really physically handicapped for the whole trip. And I was down there for a little over a month, and this happened on my fifth day. Well, I couldn't really do the normal active yoga that I was normally doing. Instead, I had to do restorative yoga, and restorative is very little movement and a lot more mind work. Well, that attracts older people. So my entire trip shifted from me typically hanging out with younger, more active people to a month-long experience of hanging out with elderly people. And the wisdom and the friendships that I made, I never would have made had I not screwed my shoulder up. And uh, uh, that's just a perfect example. And uh, there was a shift that happened. I accepted it and moved forward. And um, then when I came home, I, I really had been on kind of a, a, a very, I've been traveling extensively. I have not been home for six straight weeks in three years. And when I came home from that trip, I had to actually have a shoulder surgery. So I ended up being in Boise for a six-month period, and lo and behold, my stepfather died. And so my mother needed an awful lot of help and support during that time. And again, it was all related to, as far as I'm concerned, it all began with this little surfing wreck. So a lot of, uh, a lot of, 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 of interesting things occurred from that moment. What advice would you give somebody listening who's thinking of walking the Camino de Santiago, Kurt? Buy a plane ticket today. <laughs> I love it. I'm telling you. I love it. People all the time, they say, okay, I'm thinking about walking the Camino. I'm going to do it in 2021. And I've, I've looked at 13 backpacks and I've practiced packing 19 times. Well... <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> you have a plane ticket? <laughs> That's you know, so good. You, you, can, you can simplify this very easily. They sell stuff in Spain, so don't worry about packing. Get a backpack, get a little fitness, and get a plane ticket. And uh, uh, buckle up and, and just go, go for the ride and see what happens. I've been asking... But, but, yeah, sorry, Kurt, go on. Go ahead. I was going to say, whatever happens, don't overplan. <laughs> um don't get a schedule of where you're going to be and, and don't think about what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and if you think about what's going to happen in advance, all you're doing is creating an expectation. And then when you get there, you're either going to be above or below the expectation. And you're always measuring and judging. If you just say, I'm going to get there and see what happens on the first day, and I'm going to be open to whoever I meet, and I'm going to sleep wherever I sleep, 
that's where the magic sauce happens. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. I've been asking my guests lately, what's the most important thing about being a pilgrim? I would say your natural kindness and sharing and compassion for other people. And I think compassion is a beautiful thing of, of, that we all share as humans. And it's easy to give compassion to other people. You're, you're walking along and you see a pilgrim who's hurt or who has a foot problem or somebody who's kind of crying in a meltdown stage because of whatever emotional release they're having or whatever. We all want to go and comfort that person and we want to be kind to that person, we want to try to make their day better and make it stronger. And I think that compassion really flows flows naturally. So so that's a nice thing. I think that what what I learned from sharing that compassion is maybe I should also lob a little of that compassion towards myself. And maybe I should be a little kinder to myself. And maybe I should treat myself like I would treat a, a person who is in struggle when I struggle. And that is uh, another really nice lesson I got from the Camino. Yeah, I really like that. That you should treat yourself with the same compassion that you would afford others. That's really simple life lesson. Yeah. Why do we yeah, not yeah, say yeah, that to yeah, each yeah, other all yeah, the time? Yeah. Th think of this, and th this is the simplest story, and unfortunately I did not create this myself, although I could take full credit for it. It said, you know you all have that little voice inside your head that you know always talks to you and tells you what's wrong and you know, yeah. why you're not of worthy course. and all these great things. It says, just pretend that that voice is a roommate. Now, how long would you live with that person? And the answer is about eight seconds. I mean, you'd have the attorneys in evicting this rotten human out of your life as quickly as possible. But instead, we let this little voice just yak at us all day long and uh, just evict that bastard and, uh, um, and get a little compassion rolling in your life. Evict that bastard. Kurt, this has been a fantastic chat. But just before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to add? You know, just that I've had a great time talking to you, and I really enjoy your time. I enjoy your enthusiasm, and I, I can't wait to meet you. I, I, a, a place in Australia that keeps coming up, everyone tells me I need to go to Byron Bay. So I think on my way to Byron Bay, I'm going to stop and see Dan. So uh, that's my new plan. That's a plan, and we will make it happen, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Kurt. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. And as I said before, you're a true Idahoan, a fortune seeker, and you've brought some of that fortune with you in speaking with me today, and my listeners and I are much richer for it. So good luck, uh, and I'll give everybody the details of where they can find you and, and find your book. Okay, Dan, thank you so much, and I hope your song becomes an international hit, and I, uh, I, I really know it will. I know it's going to be really, really positive for uh, past and future pilgrims. So thank you for what you've done to make this trail such a beautiful experience for everybody. Thanks, Kurt, and Buen Camino. All right, rock on, my brother. My guest this week, the U.S. writer, speaker, and blogger Kurt Coons. 
Now, you can find out all about Kurt at his website, kurtkoons.com, K-O-O-N-T-Z, kurtkoons.com. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, go to the podcast icon on your phone, type in My Camino, the podcast, and hit subscribe. You'll automatically receive a new episode each Tuesday night in Australia, Tuesday morning in the Northern Hemisphere. You can also like the podcast page on Facebook to receive the weekly episodes to your desktop and mobile device. Whenever you find yourself doubting how far you can go, just remember how far you have come. Remember everything you have faced, all the battles you have won, and all the fears you have overcome. I'm Dan Mullins. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for your continued support. Until next week, Buen Camino. Buen Camino.